Hey everyone, before we get started with this week's podcast, we wanted to talk about a giveaway we have in our partnership with the Third and Goal Foundation. The Third and Goal Foundation is a organization founded by former Notre Dame quarterback Brady Quinn, and they help support military veterans with education initiatives, housing initiatives, and very other exciting and very helpful projects. We have partnered with them with our campaign called Third and Gold, where you can pledge money to donate to the organization based on certain events that happen during the game. For example, I'm planning to donate $100 to the foundation if Notre Dame beats Ohio State on September 3rd. For this game, we have an exciting giveaway. We have generously received a signed Play Like a Champion Today sign from Brady himself and are going to be giving it away to one lucky participant in the campaign. For more information on the campaign and how you can be entered into the giveaway, please visit our Twitter account at nd underscore fb underscore analytics. The tweet should be pinned to the top of our profile, which has details on our campaign and how the donations are handled, as well as a link to participate in in the third and gold campaign and enter your pledge or for the game and for the season. Thanks for listening. And now here is this week's podcast. episode 26 of shake down the numbers my name is cooper klaus and today i'm joined by eric thomas eric how's it going going well just excited for this ohio state game even if it might get a little bit ugly <laughs> yeah it's uh it, today's august 25th so we're recording this about about a week and week or so we can some change ahead of the game i'll be heading to columbus in a week and I'm really excited to go and see some see some friends. Excited to go to the game. I don't know how excited I am to watch the game, but I'm excited to watch live football and watch Notre Dame football again. But yeah, Ohio State's scary. Oh, They're yeah. very scary. We can just dive right in. So let's let's start with Ohio State's offense. Uh, we're gonna preview the Ohio State game today. I don't think you even mentioned that. We're gonna preview the Ohio State game, give our prediction, and as you can tell, we're probably gonna be predicting not so good stuff for Notre Dame. Uh, but we'll get into that later. So let's start with Ohio State's offense. Yeah, just they have the potential to challenge 2019 LSU and 2020 Alabama for the best passing offense just of all time in college football, in my opinion. You have C.J. Stroud, who finished in the 99th percentile in EPA per play last year among quarterbacks, 99th percentile in success rate, 98th percentile in yards per play, and 98th percentile in touchdown rate, and the returning uh, receiver of the name of Jackson Smith and Jigba. If you don't know him, you should by now, but go watch the Utah game. Go watch any highlights from last year. He was more efficient than first round picks Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave last year. Finished in the 92nd percentile in EPA per play, 1.06, 94th percentile success rate, 96th percentile in yards per target at 14.6, which is just insane. Notre Dame, for context, had one player over 10 yards, and that was Lorenzo Styles. And 25% of his plays went for over 20 yards. Not his catches, his targets, which is in the 93rd percentile. This is It's just a different beast that, that Notre Dame's going to go face in Columbus. And it's what we'll talk through here is no detriment and no not to be taken as a slight towards Notre Dame. It's just, just very much high praise for a passing offense that deserves it and is going to be producing multiple first-round picks out of this group. It's pretty unbelievable how talented they are. Looking at the sheet, like obviously Jackson Smith and Jigba's numbers just jump off the page as well as CJ Stroud's. But like you look at the talent that they have in that room. 
I mean, Travion Henderson is just so, so good. He was in the 93rd percentile in terms of EPA per play, and he was in the 96th percentile in terms of yards per play. I mean, they have really good capability to, you know, make their offense even more dominant on the ground than they were last year, which is sort of just a scary addition to what is already sort of a top tier level passing offense. Obviously, the talent rankings for their wide receiver room is just egregious. I looked at it the other day, and when you break down the actual or numbers of like the recruiting talent, Jackson Smith and Jigba was a five star. He was the number 29 player in the country. Marvin Harrison Jr. was a four-star. He was the number 97 player in the country. Julian Fleming was a five-star. He's like sort of their third mix-in receiver. He was the number three player in the country. They have Emaka Egbuka, who was the number 10 player in the country, was a five-star. And it goes on and on and on like that. The rest of the room is mostly predominantly top 100 players and four-stars. But when you can sort of gloss over, oh, they're just top 100 players and four-stars, it kind of goes into the depth of the room. Notre Dame's got a mix of like, graduate senior three stars, uh, a handful of explosive four-star players, and then we have five-star Michael Mayer. Like, it is, and obviously he's a tight end, but functionally for the receiver room, he's just what we have to rely on as our number one. So the talent disparity just jumps off the page in terms of what they're able to put on offense and what we are. Yeah, I think he had the Henderson's receiving and rushing percentiles flipped, but either ways, rushing's 84 percentile, 93rd for EPA per play, 93rd for yards per play. You were saying the passing his passing percentile, which is still very impressive, at 93rd percentile and 96th percentile in EPA and yards per play for a running back. Just the level of talent and willingness to lean into the passing game from Ohio State's perspective is just something that is going to be tough to overcome. They're not a team that is like a, a Notre Dame, like a 2020 Notre Dame, where they're very efficient throwing the football, but wants to have this identity of establishing the run and playing physical. No, they're just going to throw the ball around and just throw up 60 on you and see if you can outscore them and knowing in most cases you can't unless you have like a game of all games like Utah did in the Rose Bowl and also in that case Ohio State was missing a lot of their best players because they were sitting out to go to the draft after producing a lot of numbers through the air during the regular season too yeah I think it's just it's gonna Notre Dame's gonna have a tough time just establishing itself defensively I think the front seven is very talented but also CJ Stroud doesn't take sacks he has a one percent sack rate we know from our research, from PFF's research, that quarterbacks largely control their sack rate. Defenses can control how often they're under pressure, but quarterbacks are the ones that dictating what happens once they are under pressure. We saw this with Jack Cohn last year, who in the first six games of the season was a bottom 10 quarterback out of 150, if I'm remembering this right, in terms of sack rate, like 20% of his pressures were turning into sacks, just outrageous. And that became less of a problem like post-Virginia Tech, post like the bye week. If unless CJ Stroud suddenly becomes a, a radically different player under pressure, I don't really see a path where defensively Notre Dame is going to be able to do much to stop them. I think from a pass defense perspective, there's a lot of question marks in the secondary to answer. And will they be able to find those answers going into Columbus? I I don't know because Cam Hart's coming off a questionable hamstring and you have Clarence Lewis who has been solid, but not like an elite by any means. Same with DJ Brown, same with Houston Griffiths, all solid players, but you need to be more than solid to really put yourself in a position to limit Ohio State offensively. You're not going to be able to stop them completely, but limit them. I don't know. In terms of trying to keep up with Ohio State, like a lot of people have sort of in this offseason pointed, well, Michigan had a good structure. They were able to run the ball down Ohio State's throat. They controlled the timeline. They didn't have to throw that much. And the people who are saying that are generally right. Like, 
they were not forcing Cade McNamara to make big time throws and sort of keep up with Ohio State. That being said, Michigan had probably two first round DNs, one of whom was only not drafted in the first because he tore his Achilles on his pro day, and they had a first round safety. Notre Dame doesn't necessarily have that depth of talent on defense to be able to really challenge Ohio State. It's going to be a little bit more of an uphill battle to be able to slow them down. In terms of like the offensive structure that we have, I also don't know that we have the ability to run the ball as efficiently as Michigan did with explosive plays. Michigan was able to get like 25-yard chunk plays in Ohio State nearly at will because Ohio State's linebackers were a mess and their defensive line simply couldn't keep up with Michigan's Joe Moore award-winning offensive line. I really like Notre Dame's offensive line. There's a good chance we don't have Jarrett Patterson. I don't think we're going to be able to run for 25 yards at will, especially with Jim Knowles coming in and sort of restructuring the Ohio State defense. They're going to be able to structure their run defense a little bit more around the defensive line uh, and around their safeties coming up and playing as opposed to the linebackers just missing tackles. So it's going to be a different sort of structure and a different way to attack them. Notre Dame is going to need Tyler Buckner to be efficient, especially on early down passing, which was not really our strength last year. By comparison, Ohio State was really strong, not only in their really leaning on the early down passing last year, it was 58% of their plays, um, but they were also averaging 10.3 yards per play, uh, and they were having a 58% success rate, which is 13% higher than Notre Dame's in the same situation. So, so when you look at those numbers, like Notre Dame is just really, their best bet is to just try and pressure CJ Stroud as much as they can and almost hope for the turnover bug to hit. Because other than that, Ohio State's just going to score and score and score, and keeping up is just going to be so difficult to do. Yeah, just going off that point too, I think like the idea that you can control the game by running the clock and shorting the game. Notre Dame has tried this already. Like we, if you want to go listen to Jack and I yell about this, go listen to our Clemson ACC championship game recap from 2020. It it just doesn't work when you're at this level of a talent deficit. And again, like preface this by saying Notre Dame is closing that gap and, and hopefully is going to get there in a couple of years. But when you're at that big of a talent deficit, you want very, you want variance in this game in terms of throw the ball as much as you can and see how much, how many points you can. You don't want to just limit the number of possessions and you're only going to limit like Ohio state from one or two possessions. And when they're that efficient offensively, how big of a difference is that going to make for them? Like, are they, they're probably still going to score every time they get the ball. So this idea where you want to shorten the game, you have to be just hyper efficient running the ball and basically converting every single third down you have where even if that were a plausible scenario, do you really have faith in like this this Notre Dame rushing attack right now where there are maybe three healthy running backs, all three of whom had finished with negative EPA last year? Um, Logan Diggs had five yards per play, but was at negative 0.15 EPA per play, 19th percentile. Chris Tyree, who has all the talent in the world and maybe better suited as more like a scat back type player, had negative 0.29 EPA per play in the third percentile in the country among running backs, 3.9 yards per carry in the 13th percentile. And he's like one of the fastest players on the team, one of the fastest players in the country. That's not a rushing attack I'd want to really put all my chips behind and bank on them trying to win this game. And obviously, like the passing game for Notre Dame, and we can move on to Notre Dame's offense. The passing game is also a very much a big question mark, but putting the ball in a dynamic player's hands where you have the threat of throwing, but also tucking the ball and running in Tyler Buckner, just seems like a, a bet I'm more willing to make where you also have the potential for chunk plays down the field, throwing the ball, 
even if he's not the most efficient quarterback and he's probably just not going to be as efficient as Stroud, like saying he's not going to be as efficient as the Heisman front runner is in a hot take is where I'd want to put my chips behind where as the running behind the running game is just very, it, it's just questionable at this point. It's more questionable than uh, what Tyler Buckner brings to the table. Yeah. And you mentioned Chris Tyree, obviously not great numbers in rushing, but he was actually our, one of our highest ranked players. He might've been, he was the second highest rated player in the offense in terms of his EPA per play and receiving his ability to take screens and go is like really impressive. Um, so we need to utilize him, get him outside. I think the best thing to do to utilize Chris Tyree would probably have him start in the backfield with a guy like Audric Estime in a two back set and then have him motion out. That allows Tyler Buckner to have easier reads to identify man coverage, uh, sort of identify, you know, different triggers or marks that'll allow him to identify the defensive structure. And then we can get Chris Tyree out in space with his speed because going between the tackles for him is just not, not the most viable path forward. In terms of running the ball, I absolutely agree. Putting the ball into Tyler Buckner's hands is going to be a massive part of things. He's dynamic. He had 0.28 EPA per play when running the ball. Um, you know, he's definitely a a quality dual threat quarterback. And his ability to scramble and kind of catch Ohio State out is going to be massive. The big unknown in terms of, you know, the offense is what sort of steps forward are some of these older wide receivers going to take? I think we understand that you know, Lorenzo Styles is a dynamic and exciting player. I think we understand that Michael Mayer is the best tight end in the country. But what does Braden Lindsay bring to the table? A few years ago, he looked like he was going to be like one of the engines of the offense. And then for the last two years, he's just done kind of spot work since then. Joe Wilkins can make the occasional really cool contested catch, but he's been widely injured for the last couple of years of his career. Um, can he have like a Javon McKinley level efficiency, you know, surge in his final year at Notre Dame? hopefully, but I don't really know what to expect. And we're sort of leaning on some of these grad players to take over in the wide receiver room, as well as some younger guys like Jaden Thomas, uh, maybe Deion Colsey coming in, but realistically, Tobias Merriweather is more the answer than him. That's asking a lot of a very inexperienced or sort of middling in the past group to keep up with an offense that is just so talented and is probably going to boat race most of the country at this point. Hopefully things will be good. Hopefully Jaden Thomas can overperform. Hopefully Tobias Merriweather's the truth, but that's a lot of hopefullys. And I just don't know that we we can rely on that. Yeah, I don't think the loss of Avery Davis can go understated as well. He he was not the not a hyper efficient player, 0.43 EPA per play, which was 31st percentile, but he was Notre Dame's big threat. He hit 19% of his targets went for over 25 yards last year which was ranked in the 77th percentile in the country and also led the team. There is very little in terms of proven commodities at receiver, which scares me more than like the lack of um, reps Buckner has, to be honest. like Who who exactly is he going to be throwing to? Lorenzo Styles led the team in efficiency last year from the receiver position. Brayden Lindsey has all the speed in the world, but didn't didn't really put it together last year. 0.22 EPA per play. 16th percentile he's like has all the speed you'd think of him as a big speed threat and a big play threat five percent of his plays went for over 20 yards last year eighth percentile worst on the team in terms of uh regular returning players that that's to me that to me is where it's tough to to back the irish in this game where it's okay if ohio state's gonna score 30 40 on you because they're the they're probably gonna lead the team in scoring or lead the country in scoring this year or be up there at least the power five it's 
you can't beat them without matching them offensively. It's okay if you get scored on defensively against Ohio State because who cares? They're going to score a lot regardless. But in order to beat them, your plan should be we need to match them offensively instead of we we have to limit them defensively and just try and get by offensively, which seems to be not the game plan going in, but just how it seems like a lot of the media and a lot of the talk around the game seems to be kind of handicapping this game, whereas Notre Dame needs to just just score enough offensively, and they they'll they, they'll find a way to hold them defensively. I think that we've seen this before with Alabama in the playoff. We've seen this before with Clemson in the ACC championship game, and also in the playoff. Notre Dame's just not quite there yet to be competing with the elite teams who have these high powered passing attacks, especially just with the talent on the secondary right now. If the if defense was if the secondary was in a better place, I would have a little more faith in this type of game plan that a lot of people seem to be proposing. That plus the lack of confidence I have in the passing game right now to match the output of Ohio State, I think this passing offense will be above average and be very solid, just nowhere near the level of Ohio State. And that's going to be the downfall for Notre Dame on next Saturday, since we're talking August 25th. Yeah, and you know, talk about the Notre Dame defense. Like, look, I... I think we actually have potential to be like a top 25 level defense this year. I really like the defensive line strength. Um, I think the safety room is really actually pretty deep. And I really like how our linebackers play. I mean, obviously, J.D. Bertrand can have his occasional issues in space. But overall, against the run, he seems to be a you know at least a quality player. And we have some good depth. I mean, Jack Kaiser is a really good linebacker. We have some really talented young guys. And Prince Kali, who was the Butkus, I think he was the Butkus Award winner uh, his senior year of high school. Yep. And then we have Jaden, I, I keep calling him Nuke, Jalen Sneed, uh, his nickname Nuke. He was the five-star, you know, big-time speed player. He can just hit like a rocket. But like as good as our linebackers are, they're going to be in hell when they play Ohio State. The matchups that they're going to be put in are just not suited for them. Jack Kaiser is really good at covering like tight ends. If Jack Kaiser gets put on an island against a guy like Jackson Smith and Jake, or even a guy like Julian Fleming, he's going to struggle so much. And like that's the matchups that Ryan Day dictates and creates for his offense consistently. So. I don't really know how to maximize like our defense other than trying to have like Brandon Joseph coming up and playing coverage. Obviously, he's sort of a ball-hawking safety, but then you take away some of that safety net over the top that you need because Ohio State likes to push the ball down the field. They are really good at it. So I don't know. There's not really a perfect answer. This game's going to come down to how much can we turn pressures into sacks to create stops or field goals. And obviously, like you said, you're not going to be able to do that every drive. But if you can stop Ohio State two, three times, maybe make them get two stops and make them kick a field goal, you have a puncher's chance. And then you have to be able to keep up with them because there are going to be some drives where they probably score in 30 seconds on three plays. When that happens, you have to be able to come out and score quickly, not take 12 minutes off the clock and kick a field goal. That's the Notre Dame we've seen the last few years, and it's not going to be good enough against an offense this high-powered. I don't know that we've seen an offense this good since, what, Clemson in 2018 maybe, where they had Trevor Lawrence, Justin Ross, T. Higgins. That team was ridiculous. I'd argue 2020 Alabama, but yeah, but before fair. that 2018 Clemson, for sure. Yeah, I'm just I'm thinking of like the, the just the top-end star power up and down the board. But Yeah, in terms of quarterback play, we haven't seen the combination of quarterback play and receiver play since since that Clemson team, for sure. Mac Jones is, was had better numbers than 2019 Joe Burrow. Um, but I don't think anyone would consider him uh, 
better than Joe Burrow or better than CJ Stroud. And I, I consider CJ Stroud to be, I think he's going to be better than Mac Jones just on the whole. He's so yeah. accurate and he's, I don't know, his ability to just like not, not necessarily be a dual threat quarterback. Cause like he's not really a runner, but the way he can sort of navigate the pocket to avoid pressure and just find guys downfield, keep his eyes up and just deliver absolute strikes downfield. I mean, he is so much fun to watch. He's so talented, and that's going to be a problem for Notre Dame. Being able to work downfield and like the seam and be able to find guys when he's moving, it's going to be a really, really challenging day for Notre Dame's defensive backfield. I have a lot of faith in our safeties. I have a lot of faith in Cam Hart, and after that, it gets very scary. Yep. Our ELO rating system rates Ohio State as the third best passing offense and the Irish with the 34th best passing defense in the country. Surprisingly, it has us as the seventh best offense, but that's also should be taken with a grain of salt with a lot of priors baked into there with Jack Cohn being the quarterback last year and leading Notre Dame to a, I would say, I would say a sneakily efficient season that wasn't really talked about enough, in my opinion. But let's get into, yeah, prediction for the game. So our model rates Ohio State as the number one team in the country. Should have mentioned that earlier. Notre Dame is the 15th team in the country. And even with Notre Dame rated not as highly as the media and consensus consensus has another name as a top five, seven team. I would say we give or not. We our model gives Ohio state an 88.8% chance of winning with a projected score of 47.4 to 22.2. Eric, I'll start with you or just let you go first. Why is that score too high? Why is it too low? What's right? What's wrong? Go ahead. I sort of, in my score prediction, I ended up going with uh, 42-31. And I even wrote the caveat that I think Notre Dame will probably score a garbage time touchdown to make it that close because we do have a nice habit of doing that. Shout out to 2017 Miami. Yeah, I, I think that that's about accurate. We are a good team. And the talent disparity between good teams and great teams is massive, especially on offense for Ohio State. And to be quite frank, there are probably three, maybe four teams this year that are in the upper stratosphere in Alabama, Ohio State, and then some combination of probably Georgia and then arguably Clemson if they can figure out what's going on at quarterback. Clemson's the bigger question, which is why I said three. Beyond that, the talent disparity after that point, even if you want to argue that Notre Dame's probably like the fifth or sixth most talented team in terms of overall, not only just recruiting ranking, but also like the development of our guys, how well they play. That's an ocean of difference right now. It's just not even in the same. It's, it's borderline a different sport. Like the depth and ability to, you know, sustain injuries and continue to churn out talent for these schools is different. And for Notre Dame, who's already facing injuries to some of our top players, like we have Jarrett Patterson. It sounds like he's probably not going to play. And if he does, he's going to be less than a hundred percent. Cam Hart's just getting back from a hamstring injury. We already lost Avery Davis for the season. We lost who may have been the most talented running back in the room in freshman Jadarian Price for the season. Logan Diggs, who maybe isn't the most efficient running back because he likes to think he's Le'Veon Bell, but is growing into a role where he has talent, is probably going to be hampered at least in some capacity. Joe Wilkins is making a miraculous recovery from a Liz Frank injury. There's a lot of factors against us in terms of are we ready to come in here and play our best ball game? And I just don't know that we're going to be able to compete with a team that is definitely pissed off with how their season ended. You know, they won the Rose Bowl. Great. Ohio State considers going 10-2 and and winning the Rose Bowl a failure of a season, which is just a different standard for Notre Dame. Like, if we had gone, if we had two losses last year and won the Fiesta Bowl, we had one loss obviously before them, but if we had two losses and won the Fiesta Bowl, it would have been a great season. Everyone would have been like, oh, great, we're back on track. We won a New Year's Six. 
is a different standard. So I think they're going to come in pissed off. They want to go out and go undefeated. They want to beat the bricks off of Notre Dame. They want to beat Michigan really badly. They want to be back in the playoff, and they want to prove a point. We are sort of going to be on the unfortunate receiving end of a lot of anger and an offseason that was definitely focused on we need to get back to where we belong. Yep, I I have it a little wider. I think per, like not the models at 47-22. I'm I'm predicting more like 42-21. The spread's 16 and a half. We should have led with that as well, but so I, I don't think Notre Dame covers. I don't I think our models all, but a, a little too far off though. But the gap I I think a lot of people are underestimating the gap between the elite teams and where Notre Dame is right now, which is probably right around like tier two. The the tier one teams are just so much better than tier two. Yeah, I mean, to go off what you just said, Coop, and this is just from the 247 team talent composite from last year because they haven't updated to 2022 yet. Alabama has 14 five stars, 64 stars. Georgia has 19 five stars, 47 four stars. Ohio State has 16 five stars, 49 four stars. Clemson, that may be in the middle that we talked about, has 10 five stars, 44 stars. Notre Dame is quite a bit lower with 44 four stars and one five star. I mean, the diff, like the differential in building your team and just having like the depth, even if those guys aren't stars, even if they're not necessarily living up to that billing, that's still going to be a quality rotational depth, guys, compared to like some of the three star guys we're taking that were like, okay, yeah, they'll pan out in like year four or five. You can't play those guys against Ohio State. Ohio State has like six, six or maybe five five stars in like their defensive line room. And plus their wide receiver room is insane. Like the talent disparity is just hard to find. Yeah, I, I have Ohio State as, or we have Ohio State as the number one team in the country. Georgia at second. We would have them as probably double digit favorites as a rough guess over everyone from the our eighth best team and below. Like the gap is, and we would have them as seven point favorites, touchdown favorites over ever like from the fourth team down. Alabama's our third team. Utah's four. The gap is just way bigger than I think people think like it, it's bigger than just the numeric one to seven one to five one to 15 you can't think of it as just like each step up the rankings is the equivalent distance from the step before it it gets way harder to get to that level you are competing for the same players on the recruiting trail and you're competing with the most modern dynamic playing styles offensively and defensively Closing that gap takes so much work on both ends of the equation from a recruiting and coaching standpoint, where if one is lacking a bit, you are not going to be able to catch them. No, and Notre Dame is, is getting there. We, we don't know much about Freeman as a coach yet. We'll know after that. We'll have a way better idea after this year on that side. On the recruiting front, we know he's at least doing his best mm-hmm. to get Notre Dame into that position. When we knew Brian Kelly, maybe he was doing his best. He wasn't doing the best he could at Notre Dame. but as of now, as of September 3rd, 2022, that gap is just not going to be closed, in my opinion. I think it's going to be an eye-opening night, but hopefully a night Notre Dame can build off of going forward. And by this time next year, when the Buckeyes come to South Bend, the spread is a lot closer. Our model fit has the game a lot closer. And Notre Dame still might not be in a position to win that game either. But I think... It takes time to close that gap. It takes more than one offseason to be able to realistically expect Notre Dame to go in and win. And again, 11% isn't zero. It's not 
and it's not 5%. It's it, it happens. 11% happens. But I think the expectations going in should be, let's see signs of development from Tyler Buckner. Let's see if the defense can not let Ohio State score in every possession and have it not be this demoralizing game that derails the entire season. Have their, Let's see if there's development from a lot of different players and see if this is something Notre Dame can build off of. If there are things to take away from this game, rather it being the expectation is to go into win because I think Notre Dame comes out of that game just very jaded mentally, like we're in very unconfident of we're not at that level. And then come November 5th, when Clemson comes to town in a very bad position where I think if you use this game as a measuring stick and a game to build off of and go into the rest of the season and then next year to open the season against the Buckeyes is the right way to think about it, both from those within the program and both as a fan. No, so, sort of to, I guess, emphasize that point. We did the you know season preview, and I think Kevin and I both said nine and three. I think you said ten and two, sort of you know obviously to sort of break the yeah. You guys took nine and three, uh, yeah, so. the unanimous consent there. But I just I don't know when you look at like if Notre Dame is able to stop Ohio State two or three drives, and if they cover in this game, we're probably a lot closer to an eleven and one team than we are a nine and three team, and we could still end up being sort of in that playoff hunt. Will we make it? Probably not, given you know some of the past that like the ACC has with Clemson to the playoff. Given that Alabama and Georgia are both probably looking to be in that picture, we'd still probably be on the outside looking in, hoping for some things to break our way at eleven and one. But if we cover this game, we're a lot closer to that reality than we are to what we picked. I mean, like I said, that we would probably backdoor cover with a late touchdown, and that's just because I don't think Ohio State's defense is that good. I don't know. It, it's difficult to predict Notre Dame to win, or even to sort of see that as a plausible outcome. When you start looking at, okay, Ohio State is just going to be able to score as much as they, you know, as much as they want to. When you start to see that as the reality, I don't know that I can look at Tyler Buckner and this Notre Dame offense that's so young, so inexperienced, and counting on guys to step up and say, yeah, they can keep up with that. That'll be fine. Like, no, CJ Stroud's the Heisman favorite for a reason. He's going to come out, he's going to play well, and we basically just have to hope that Notre Dame is going to be able to slow them down enough that. Maybe Tyler Buckner is, a, you know, really stepping up into the role or the, the star-studded uh, level of caliber player he, we expected him to be, that we can keep up and just have a chance. I just don't see that happening. Yeah, the line opened at minus fourteen and a half. It has moved this week to sixteen and a half, and yeah, we're recording this like nine days in advance, so it could move even further. Like it's it's moving, it's trending away from the Irish, which is never a good sign. Like smart money is backing Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, like we're we're picking Ohio State to win, so it's not not a big surprise to us either. But I uh, I think the expectations, a lot of I think a lot of the the majority of Notre Dame fans are we were going to be very competitive competitive in this game, and that might be bolstered a little bit by the lofty AP poll and coaches poll rankings, which to me was a little baffling. But yeah, I think using this game as a measuring stick. And we, we could be wrong, too, like like you were saying earlier. like We're going to find out a lot about this team right away, which is a, a kind of a change of pace from previous years instead of opening with like the Rices and UMasses of the world. Um, but yeah, I think the gap is too, strong, too far right now. Mm-hmm. I think it's closing. I think hopefully Freeman on the Freeman, the coach is just as good as Freeman, the recruiter and. I think there are going to be some growing pains this year as he learns. He's a first-time head coach, which is like 
has gotten lost in the under the radar a little bit like this year, just with all the hype and deserved hype. I'm very excited about him as the Notre Dame coach, but it's going to be a process. Georgia's first year, I think they were eight and five before they became the juggernaut they are. We have our model favors or has Notre Dame projected for right around, I think it's like 8.1 wins. I think that's the thing where like the success this year should be viewed as eight plus wins and signs of competitiveness. They stay competitive in this game. They stay competitive in the Clemson mm-hmm. game, competitive in the USC game, but also development offensively, development defensively, continue doggedness on the recruiting trail. That is going to be the bigger sign success of success than whatever the record is at the end of the year. The point where we should start looking at our record and and using that as the indicator of success or failure is next year, in my opinion. That doesn't mean lose half your games this year. That means this year is going to be a transition year where Freeman's beginning to get his guys, learning how to be a head coach, continuing to elevate the level of talent Notre Dame has at, has at its disposal while trying to still compete with the team at hand. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you look at the way that Notre Dame is recruiting, and obviously you never want to bolster the majority of your talent with freshmen. That's not a you know a way you can really sustain. But the guys that they're going to be bringing in next year should elevate pretty much every single position group other than, like, I have some concerns about weak side defensive end with the decommitment of Keon Keeley, um, obviously the premier player in the class and the five-star. But other than him, there really is a, a strong talent gain coming in with this class across the board even at like strong side defensive end on the other end I think that there's you know some good potential in this class so on the whole I I do like the way that the roster is trending there's been a lot of good news from young players uh, Benjamin Morrison and Jaden Mickey two freshman you know corners have really started to impress the coaching staff those are guys that you know if they were juniors and on the same trajectory maybe we would have a different outlook on Ohio State but right now they're freshmen they just got here. They're still learning, and they're probably not ready to make that big of an impact. Tobias Merriweather's turning heads at camp, but how much can he do in his first game? So the young talent's coming, and there will be some sort of different outlook with some of these players and the kind of guys that we're getting, especially with the speed we're getting in you know, this upcoming freshman class. It's it's really quite impressive. Uh, Micah Bell is probably the fastest player in the state of Texas. He could play. He's slotted a corner, but he could end up playing wide receiver. Braylon James was timed in a 4-3-8 recently at a camp. I mean, these guys are impressive, impressive speed players. So once you start getting guys like that, then you can start looking at this as Marcus Freeman's team because those are the guys he's going after. Right now, when you're looking at, you know, graduate transfer or, uh, you know, graduate transfer is your best defensive player at safety. When you're looking at graduate players on offense, like Braden Lindsey and Joe Wilkins kind of being the leaders in the wide receiver room from Brian Kelly's three-star era or recruiting a four-star that was like 150 pounds soaking wet when he got here. It's just a little bit of a different outlook. Yep. Agreed. All right. That's going to do it for us this week. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Substack at shakedownthenumbers.substack.com and on Twitter at ND underscore FB underscore analytics. Thanks for listening. And as always, go Irish.